I don't know if you guys have seen this movie, but it's, it's called The Matrix, and it came out a while ago. But the first time I saw it, I remember walking out, and it, what it's based on is it's a, a time there was a huge war, nuclear war, and it was the machines against the humans, and of course the humans created the machines, and the machines now have taken over the humans. But the machines need energy, and they get the energy from the humans, and so they have these huge warehouses of humans, and they're in these pods, and they live, and the humans live in these pods, but the machines need the humans to live. So they created this huge comp- computer program called the Matrix. And so the humans think they're actually in a life. It was based like in year 2000. So they're living their lives, but they're living in a computer program, but they don't know that. They're just these people that are actually living in these little pods. And so Neo, all his life, is he's frustrated going, there's there's something more. I, I feel like something's wrong and blah, 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 blah. So he meets up with Morpheus. And I love this part of the movie because it's, you know, the red pill or the blue pill. This morning, I want to challenge you guys, the red pill or the blue pill. And what I want to talk about is something that it's almost the same time when I started watching The Matrix and saw the movie. There's three movies in it. But you, it's so funny. I remember walking out after the movie was over, and I said, I wonder if I'm in a computer program. I mean, it makes you start thinking, am I in a reality or not? Well, I started thinking about church, and I've been studying church history for a long time. And when I was a pastor, there were things that we did at church that really frustrated, that frustrated me, like, to no end. Like, why do we do this? And I don't get it, and I just, I feel like we're not reaching people, and, but we just do these things all the time. And so I started studying intensely. I started studying church history and these huge, these, you know, big leaders that we look at. And well, I read this story of this pastor who was very well known in America, and he decided to have lunch with another buddy of his. So his buddy walks in and in walks with this friend, this, an older gentleman who's, who kind of is, his, he's got really bad posture. And he comes walking in, the guy kind of chuckles because he's like, he's wearing a suit that's about, you know, two sizes too big. And he's just sizing them up, and they sit down, and during their conversation, he finds that this older gentleman lives in China, and he's a pastor in China, but he was part of the communist uh, regime. He was part of the communist military when Mao Zedong took over. And he would go from village to village, killing the leaders that were not for the communist party. He went one time into one village, and there was a, a guy who was shoveling manure. And he said, where is the leader of this village? And the guy said, I'm the leader. And he goes, that's impossible. You're shoveling manure. And he goes, here at this community, we serve each other. And, and the guy said, well, I want to stay and, and observe. And it was a Christian community. So he was there for a few days and ended up giving his life to the Lord. He followed Jesus. So he goes back and meets with the government officials and says, you got to know this Jesus. Well, immediately they stuck him in prison and they beat him so severely, they ended up breaking his back and they broke it again. That's why his posture was so bad. And of course, the guy, after he heard the story, felt really bad. The sad part is they wanted him to turn. They ended up killing his wife, his children, and all of the immediate relatives of this guy's family. But he still followed Christ, still followed Jesus. And he came back to America to raise money to take Bibles, to raise money for Bibles to go back to China and kind of the underground underground church to uh, distribute those Bibles. So this 
big-time pastor in America said, so tell me, what is one of the greatest things that you see in the church of America? And he said, immediately he said, he goes, the most amazing thing is what the church of America has accomplished without God. And when I read that story, I was like, I kind of stepped back, I'm like, that's it. That's my frustration. I feel like everything we do is so amazing, but it's without God's strength. You see, when the early church started taking the, the, the amazing gospel message of Jesus to all the areas. It started going to, they went to the Greeks. So Ephesians, you know, we talked about Thessalonica. They went to all the Greek cities. And the Greeks loved to philosophize. They were into philosophy. Well, then they started taking it to Rome. And if you read about the history of Rome, Constantine in the fourth century, he made it into almost a government-approved religion. And so they started building these huge churches well, then they brought it to America, and the Americans, what are we so good at? We're good at business, and our churches became business. We have CEOs, senior pastor, you know, you got the vice presidents, you got the marketing. I mean, it, it, you start looking at it going, wow, and I looked at our church where I was pastoring at the time, and I thought, we're in that same situation, and I felt like I was in the matrix. I was going, oh, no, all these things that I believed in And I'm like, okay, Lord, I want to take this red pill. How far does this rabbit hole go? And so one of the, I was so intrigued with the early church. And so I I looked at Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and that's where we're going to start reading this morning. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it's talking about the church that was in Jerusalem. And it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved." I have read this verse, this passage, probably 100, 150 times and just studied it and studied it. Just like, what, what's going on here? It's not like I want to go back into time, but I want to take what they were doing in that early church. And there's, there could be more, but this morning, I just want to talk. I think there's four things that they were doing. And the first thing they did, if you, you start, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which to me is discipleship. And so I looked at the Church of America, and I started studying all the different things we as a church have done with discipleship. And I, I saw in discipleship, to us, when we have a commitment to, when someone commits their lives to follow Jesus, it's your commitment. So you are now responsible to train yourself. So we say, make a commitment to Christ. I've gone to so many camps in my lifetime. And that was my frustration with camps is it's like, get these kids to commit their lives to Jesus. But then they all go home and no one's with them. I'm like, where's the discipleship? And it's like, Bruce, it's, we don't have the manpower. We don't have enough people. We just, we make them commit their lives to the Lord. Well, and then what we've done in the Church of America, and again, these things are not bad. It's just like when you start to look at it and go, I see where we've kind of taken a step back and maybe we failed. But in my life, when I was 
in high school and I committed my life to Jesus, it was, Bruce, your quiet time. You've got to have your quiet time. Get away and study. And uh, I'm like, okay, okay. But when I looked at it, I was like, it's my personal life application. I'm like, is it, can anybody just walk with me? I don't, know, I don't know what this is saying. I have no idea. But it's like, Bruce, I don't have time. This is what you do. So I'm like, okay. But that kind of is what we've done. That's how we disciple. The early church, Jesus is talking to his disciples in Matthew 28. In Matthew 28, it's called the Great Commission. It says, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The early church, we, we privatize discipleship. But this is your time. Jesus said, it's public. I want you guys to not only commit your lives and follow me, but I want you to baptize each other and make it public. And I, we have a video about baptism I want you guys to watch really quick. You see, the early church, it was about a public display. It was, I just love that video. And the first time I saw it, I'm ready to ball. <laughs> it's awesome that, you know, students and adults are willing to say publicly, hey, I'm following Jesus. This is who I am. And that's what we need to do. We can't privatize it. We can't hide. And, you know, I study in my closet. I'll tell you that, you know, you guys already know that. But I got to be public about it. And, and if you haven't been baptized, we want at Open Life to give you that opportunity. And we're going to have that here in a couple of weeks that you can publicly say, I'm following Jesus. And as a church, as a body of believers, we're coming around you. We're not going to leave you stranded. We're going we're to surround you and train you up. Proverbs 27, verse 17 says this, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25, it says, and let, us not consider how we may, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. That's discipleship. We got to be in this together and support and love each other. The next thing I saw was fellowship. So the early church, they devoted themselves to discipleship and they devoted themselves to fellowship. Now, I made this joke, you know, when I was pastoring, we actually had a fellowship hall at our church. And I kind of laughed and chuckled because, you know, after church, we'd all go to the fellowship hall and and we talk for five, ten minutes, and then we all race home, and we get in our garages, and the garage doors close. About a month ago, I remember driving home from work, and I, I'm backing into my garage. And I, you know, I'm a guy. I love my garage. I don't know why I like garages, but I do. And you know, I'm, I'm pushing the garage door button, and I'm looking across, and I see my neighbor. He does. He's doing the same thing, and our garage doors open or close simultaneous. And I just thought that's really weird. I barely know him. And I think that is kind of what we've fallen to. That's fellowship. Hey, good morning. Good to see you. How you doing? I'm doing great. All right. Hey, see you next Sunday. But you see the, again, it goes back to individual. Discipleship was, you know, privatized. You make it your thing. But again, that's America's church. Jesus was saying, it's got to be public. And fellowship has got to be together. 
If you look at the fellowship of the early church, they wanted to know and be known. If, if you read on, it says all the believers were together and they had everything in common. In verse 45, it says they started selling possessions and goods and they gave to anyone as he had need and they all met together in the temple courts. You know, they had jobs and stuff and I did a lot of research and study on this. I mean, they, they had their things that were going on but fellowship was critical to them. They wanted to be in each other's lives. I feel like in America, we just, we have that persona of, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to get my job. I'm going to save a ton of money. And then I'm going to retire. And I'm going to go out to Florida and hang out at the Keys and, and, and listen to tunes. Okay. But Jesus says, hey, let's, we got to fellowship. We got to live life together. And and whatever, a month ago when I shared the, the stuff that we went through as a family, I did that because I want you guys to know we don't, all have put, we don't all have it together. Again, the early church wanted to know, I want to know your stuff, and I want you to know my stuff. They served. I want to serve you, but I also want to be served. I think that's humiliating and humbling when someone says, hey, Bruce, do you need this? I, I do. You know, when we were struggling years ago, we really needed, you know, money. And the church that we were going to at the time brought us a turkey. Like, I don't need a turkey, okay? I need a job or I need a car. But that's what we need to do and serve and love each other. The turkey was great too, by the way. But that's what we need to do. We need to be devoted and and to care for each other in fellowship. And we need to celebrate I wanted to show this video because I want to celebrate the baptisms that took place. And I want you guys to celebrate for those parents. That's awesome what happened. So in Acts chapter 2, we see discipleship. We see fellowship. The next thing we see is ministry. So they're coming together and they're hanging out together. Now, this is a funny story. When I was a youth pastor, I felt God calling me to start a church. So uh, I wanted to go to this organization that funds new church plants. So I took a four-hour test, okay? Well, I flunked. <laughs> and they told me, Bruce, you, you haven't been called to pastor. And I'm like, I mean, I was broken. I'm like, did I not hear God? And, and I just thought, no way. And then I come to find out, uh, like a year later, I was being mentored by a, a guy who now has the largest church in Seattle. He flunked the test too. But yeah, you have to laugh. So I, I th- and I sat back and going, well, why? Well, you see, in America, it's back to that business. Church is a business. And they found out that the certain personalities are the most successful. And I'm like, well, why? Well, because they're leaders and they know how to do this and that and that. Well, if God calls you, God calls you. You see, God called Peter and James and all these disciples. If you study the history of uh, the Jewish tradition, those guys were losers. They all failed, okay? And I'm like, it was hilarious when I started reading about this. You know, they all go, they learn how to, they learn the, the Jewish tradition until they're 15. And if the Jewish priests think that you should go on and be a priest in the Jewish uh, synagogue, then they'll bring you in. Well, all those guys weren't asked to come in, so they all failed the test too. I'm like, yes, I'm not bad. So I look at the early church, and, and so what we have in America is you take a test, not everybody, but you take, I mean, you, and, and we kind of market the whole thing, but 
the church was run as, again, a business. So you've got this one pastor who now is the CEO. He made it. He passed the test. So it's, he begins to share his vision. And I was at a church once, and I heard, you know, the pastor is sharing his vision. And I was like, I, I don't, God hasn't given me that same vision. I don't, it, Bruce, this is the vision for the church. And so he put a program together, and this is what we're going to do. And then everybody's got to fit into that program. And so, you know, people are doing stuff that they don't even feel called to do. And you're just like, what? what? And the people are getting burned out. And I just thought, this isn't the right way to do it. I mean, I feel like I'm in this matrix. I'm what? And I look at the early church, and, and you see in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, it is he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service. You see, the early church realized that we're all ministers, all of you, me, you included, whether you passed the test or you failed the test. God's called us all to be ministers. And I love when you walked in, we have that sign where it says, people leading people, not fad leading people or Jaden or myself. It's people leading people. I love that. That's what the early church believed in, in ministry, that we are all called to that. The difference in God, I believe, has given all, all of us vision for whatever it is. Like last year, you know the story, maybe you don't know, but last year, uh, Jaden and Thad and James are praying and they're talking about, man, we, we just have a, we know there's a, a vision for student ministry and who, who are we gonna, what are we going to do? And, and instead of just saying, we got to start the program, they said, we need to sit back and pray and see who God calls for that. And, you know, who knew Bruce and Christy were over here? But God called us into that. And I think of all the other things that, that we have vision for, that we just need to wait and pray and let the Holy Spirit lead people's hearts for that and not just create a program, but let's just see where God's leading us as open life, as a, as a church. That's what the early church did, is they had open eyes and let the Holy Spirit lead. The last thing that you see in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, is evangelism. And this one I struggle with probably the most, because evangelism, I, I know growing up, like in college, they were saying, you know, we got to go door to door, or we got to go here or there. And I've been working on this project down in Olympia, and because I feel like we've jaded that whole thing, there were several people at this building complex that I worked at, it says, no soliciting, I'm atheist. There was another one that said, seriously, no soliciting, I'm agnostic. And I thought, have we just so jaded people that they don't even want to hear the message? But if you look at the, the early church, it says they were in the last part, verse 47, and it says, and the Lord added to their numbers daily. We have made church almost like marketing. If we send out this many, if we send out a thousand pamphlets, this many people will come and blah, 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 blah. And I have to step back and go, it doesn't matter what we do. It's Christ, it's Jesus who brings those people here. And if you think about it, deep thoughts now by Bruce. If we disciple and love each other, 
And if we fellowship and hang out and have fun, and it's not like we're all best friends, okay, I get that, but we love to be together. If we disciple and fellowship and have ministry and love to praise God and just enjoy life together, do you think people are not going to want to be a part of that? I'm like, yeah, I think they will. But what's happened is I, I look at the struggles that we have here in our world and evangelism, I just think people go, what do you have that I don't already have? I already have a, a great job. I have a sweet car. My house is huge. And hey, I've got life. I got a big screen, 60-inch TV, and, it's, uh, and I get great coverage. I mean, all those great things. Why would they need Jesus? Well, once we start doing these things and, and loving on students and getting in their lives, and I know it takes time. I know it does. We have to cook and hang out and fellowship and, you know, watch games together. That's what it's about. And I, I look back at, I was looking this morning, I was reading that, you know, people leading people. And our three words that are on there, connecting, serving, and sharing. It's right out of Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. Connecting is discipling and connecting with each other and fellowshipping, sharing it's ministry and just being together. And the last thing is serving each other. There's so many opportunities to serve and care for each other. I love it. I'm like, that's what open life we want to be about. So here's my challenge to you. And I, I don't know if that video's been up there, but not to be cheesy or anything, but I will be cheesy. Do you guys want to take the blue pill or the red pill? I can only give you the truth. I love that line. Only the truth. And here's the truth. This is what the early church did. This is what Jesus said. Do you want to take this red pill and just see where God is going to take you and see what he's going to do in your life? I want to pray. Father, I just, I just pray right now, Lord, that we would want to be a part of what you are doing, that we would be willing to take that step and, and and just go further down this rabbit trail of what you want to do in our lives, not knowing what the outcome may be, uh, but just knowing that we want to serve you. Thank you so much for the leadership and the people that are here at Open Life. And I just pray your anointing now on this place. Amen.